Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I'll try and move that to the side a little bit. Um, so this morning, yet yeah, we're looking at gentleness, carrying on on our series of fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, um, given that it's quite a short time, I, primarily I wanted to share with you um, something of my own journey with gentleness and uh, perhaps my, my failures in, in that journey and, and some of the things that I've learned along the way. And so what I, what I share with you this morning is a, a snapshot of what I've learned to date and um, where I am in that journey. And I hope that it will be uh, encouraging to you, encouraging if you find gentleness difficult, that I also find gentleness difficult in certain circumstances as well. Uh, and a challenge also that um, we can't stop at finding it difficult. We do need to strive on to, to trying to see that fruit come through in our lives of gentleness and the power of that. The first thing that I want to uh, share with you this morning about gentleness is that often it's regarded as the weak link of character in the world. Often gentleness um, is seen as an inconvenience to, to people. It's not regarded as a strength. I, I don't know of uh, at a time where an employer has asked me for the quality of, of gentleness or made sure that I've got that or that it's something that is particularly promoted in the world. It doesn't tend to be. It tends to be regarded as a weakness. And yet, in my experience, gentleness uh, is perhaps one of the most powerful tools um, available to people. My job uh, pretty much entails working with, encouraging, driving, persuading people. Um, th that is what I do as a day-to-day -day job. And I have found much more fruit come out of being gentle with people than I ever have with cajoling people or uh, threatening them or shouting at them or getting angry with them. Gentleness has real strength and real power. I looked online for some different definitions of gentleness. These ones up here are not out of the dictionary. And I love the way that, uh, that these people have described gentleness. The top one says, gentleness is sensitivity of disposition and kindness of behavior, founded on strength and prompted by love. Another one said, gentleness is a strong hand with a soft touch. The, the thing that links all of these definitions that I've seen together are, are these two words, strength and love. Strength on its own is great, but it, you can't be gentle with just strength. You need love to accompany it. And that is part of what we're gonna look at this morning. Before we can look at what gentleness is though, we have to understand something, we have to understand similar to what Simon was saying this morning that you need strength in order to be gentle. That gentleness is not the same as weakness. In order to be gentle you need strength. And I wanted to say to you this morning that you are all strong, powerful people. Doesn't always feel like that, I know. But, but that actually is the truth that comes through in the Bible. When we look at the Bible and what it tells us about us, it, it tells us that we are image bearers of God. 
It tells us that we have the power of words, of speech, of creativity given to us from God. We have the power to influence and inspire and lead. And we've, we've seen that power do uh, amazing things and we've seen that power do terrible things. But even more than that, we're told that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. We're told that we're children of God. We're told that we are co-heirs with Christ. We're told that we have an inheritance with Jesus in heaven. That, that is not a weak person that I've described to you there. That is a person with great authority and great power and great influence. And so you have to understand, when you understand gentleness, you have to first understand that you wield a power in yourself that God has given you and you have a choice of how you wield that power. And that's where gentleness comes in. But as we all know, when we have power, when we have strength, so often we can misuse that power and we can misuse that strength. I wonder what you see when you see that picture up there. Maybe you see anger, maybe you see fear, uh, maybe even abuse, uh, out of controlness. I, I don't know. I used to think that uh, I was a, a fairly level-headed sort of person, fairly good at self-control, um, uh, fairly good at disciplining myself. And then I had children. And um, I, I discovered when I had children uh, something about my character that I, I really didn't like. Um, I discovered that I was actually quite an angry person. Um, and as Zach, my son, got older and got more into mischief and more independent, he's a very independent boy. I don't know whether you've seen that, but he is a very independent guy, which is great. Um, but as he got more independent, uh, we started to clash more and more. Uh, and my, my, in my fear, of lack of control, uh, my way of dealing with this was to try and control my son. And the way I used to do that was to try and intimidate. I would get more angry and more angry and I would start to raise my voice and shout. And, and this scene is not, not something that was unusual for me. Until one day I was in a a park in Telford uh, uh, with, with Zach, he was playing, and I witnessed this scene in front of me. I witnessed a, a, a dad, my sort of height, my sort of build, shouting at, at, at one of his children, towering over him and shouting at him. And I saw the anger in, in, the, in the father's eyes, I saw the fear in, in the child's eyes, I saw that scene play out in front of me. And God put his finger on my heart at that point and said, that's what it looks like when you lose your temper with your son. That's what it looks like. That's the fear that your son feels when you shout at him. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? And I knew at that point that God was, was challenging me to change something in my character. And so I went home and I spoke to Emma about it. Um, 
And I said, Emma, I, I need some help. I need help in learning how to discipline my children well. How do I do that effectively, but based on love and not on anger? And so we did what any uh, respectable uh, Christian parent would do. We turned to the good book, um, uh, this good book. Um, th- this is a parenting book that we, uh, that we decided to, to purchase. Um, but Emily had a recommendation on um, a few different parenting books, and this was, this was one that she'd, she'd, had, uh, she'd heard was a good one. And we, so we went on Amazon, and we had a look at this book, and I started reading the, the blurb about it. Um, and, I, and I saw one headline thing on, on the blurb, and it said, uh, within the methodology in this book, you can teach your children to be responsible for their own actions. I thought, great, that's exactly what I need to teach my children, to be responsible for their own actions. Brilliant. So I bought the book. The book came and, uh, the book came and we started reading it. Um, and then as I started reading the first pages, we, we realized there was a little more to it than that. We realized that, uh, that, that the authors of the book have, have developed this methodology based on um, the Bible and based on and, uh, their experience of parenting. And... Um, there's a few more steps to come before that. So I was really excited about getting onto this, teaching my children that they're responsible for their own actions. But they say in the book, before you can teach them that they're responsible for their actions, you have to teach them something else. You have to teach them that they're called and capable. You have to teach them that they have gifts and strengths. I was like, oh, that's inconvenient. I want to get on to teaching them that they're responsible for their own actions. Okay, so I have to teach them that they're called and capable, and then we can get onto the good stuff. Okay. And then I found that there was another step even before that. They say before you can teach them that they're called and capable, you have to teach them that they're loved. I was like, oh, yeah, another step to go through. Okay, got to teach them that they're loved, they're called and capable, and they're responsible for their own actions. And then... They said, but there is one more step that you have to go through before you can get to any of those. And it's this one. You are safe with me. And I looked down the list and I realized that there was a fundamental tool missing in order for me to teach this to my children. And it was gentleness. You cannot teach a child that they are safe with you without gentleness. You cannot teach a child that they are loved without gentleness. And you cannot teach a child that they are called and capable without gentleness. And you cannot teach a child that they're responsible for their own actions until those foundational blocks are in place. And as I was preparing for this morning, and I looked at that model which we've, we've adopted, and by the way, we, we still fail at this, we still get things wrong, but we are in a much better place with our children. But as I look at that model, I see something else. I see the way Jesus deals with us and brings us to maturity as disciples. Jesus starts off by saying, you're, you're safe with me. You're safe with me. My father has you in the palm of his hands. He's not letting you go. 
Jesus teaches us that we're loved. Jesus calls out our gifts and our strengths in us. And then eventually, in the context of that, Jesus teaches us that we're responsible for our own actions. Paul writes this in Philippians 4 verse 5. He puts, let your gentleness be evident to all. And our gentleness is about showing the world a different way of using great strength and great power. And just in the same way that Jesus takes us through these steps using gentleness, so too are we to call people uh, into discipleship with Jesus using exactly the same model, gentleness. That is the power of gentleness. That is why it's one of the key reasons it's important for us. I want to uh, finish with, with this thought. Uh, this is a, a quote that I read, um, that Nicky Gumbel wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago in Bible of One Year. Uh, and and this, is, this is what it says. I have a, on my table a violin string. It is free to move in any direction I like. If I twist it one end, it responds. It is free. But it is not free to sing. So I take it and fix it into my violin. I bind it. And when it is bound, it is free for the first time to sing. And Nicky Gumbel in Bible in One Year use, makes the point that when we submit our lives to Jesus, we are, even though we are, in the world's eyes, giving up freedom, we are actually receiving a much greater freedom to, to be free to operate in what we were designed to be operating in. To free to move in the purposes that Jesus gave us. And I want to take that a step further this morning. I want to say that for us, we are called to be challengingly attractive and provokingly different to the world around us. Why? Because we want the world to ask the question, why are they different? And for us to give the answer, because of Jesus. And gentleness is countercultural to the world. It is not the way the world expects one to respond to persecution, to hardship, to debt, to addiction, to brokenness, to drunkenness. It's not the way the world expects one to respond. But it's the way we're called to respond by our master, Jesus. So, I want to encourage you to join me in the challenge of submitting your strength to Christ so that he can make us sing for the first time and in this particular context allow us to bless the world through the power of gentleness. I'm going to pass back to you. Thanks, Mark.